0: So it's always great to see you, and um, today I need some help, because I need uh, to solve a Christmas dilemma. Are you ready for it? You can help me as you raise your hand, and uh, I have a few questions that you need to help me with. Uh, The first one is this, when mom says she doesn't want a present for Christmas, is she telling the truth? Raise your hand if you think she's telling the truth. Yeah, okay. Yeah, mom wants a present. All right, now as a husband, um, uh, you put yourself in my shoes as dad, husband. Um, when your spouse, your wife says she doesn't want a present for Christmas, is she telling the truth? Raise a hand. Yeah, I thought that was the case. Okay. And then finally, and this is maybe the easiest, when your child says they don't want anything for Christmas, are they telling the truth? Raise a hands. Yeah, uh uh-huh, uh-huh. But the funny thing is sometimes they tell you that, right? Sometimes you've heard from mom or you've heard from your spouse or you've even heard from a kid, I don't need anything, I'm good, right? Which leads me into this, that I think during Christmas we tell a bunch of lies. I really do. In fact, I remember this one time, it was so great. Uh, It sticks out of my memory. I have a 90-year-old grandfather who's now in heaven. He's just the sweetest man you can imagine, so picture him. And we were uh, gathering in Orlando, Florida, having a great time. And we were just talking about how he's clearing out the house because he doesn't need anything. We were just talking about, like, he doesn't need a lot of sweaters. He doesn't need a lot of clothes. You know, three sweaters will do him. And it was our present that was in his lap before this conversation. And after he just got done saying what he doesn't need, guess what he opens from us? It's a sweater! (laughs) And then the lies commence because he's a really nice man. Oh, this is so nice. Thank you very much. Right? And maybe you've been there. Maybe you were on the other side of opening a gift, and you're like, ah, it's great. Um, and, and we tell these lies. And, and, and maybe you've done it, you know, just about this time of year. You're, you're telling everyone, yeah, it's just a magical, wonderful time of year, but you're stressed out, freaked out, like too busy, you know, beyond all get out, right? That's what we do. So I believe this is a season sometimes of, of lies, and, and many of them are inconsequential. You know, it's okay if if they didn't get you anything because you're an adult, you can go buy your own. It's okay if you had to lie a little to be nice about the present. That's okay. But if you transition with me from the light to the serious, living under a lie for your life or a season of your life can actually be a a really bad thing to live under. I'm a bit of a traveler and um, had a chance to go to Germany. And uh, right outside of Munich is uh, Dachau. And for some of you, you've probably heard of Dachau, World War II reference, Um, it was a concentration camp. And and there I got to learn a lot about history and and what happened there. It was a working camp uh, where the Jews actually made many things for the Nazis in order to uh, propel them during the wartime. Um, But as I walked into that camp, on the gate was this lie um, in German. So here it is, if my clicker will work. Yeah, all right, thank you. Um, And in German, um, it's pronounced Arbeit Macht Frei, which means, as you all know, (laughs) work makes you free. So the Jews who were there lived under this lie that if only they would work hard enough, if they would do enough, maybe then they could be free. And I wonder how many people it worked for, how many times they, they, they would put in a long day of work, hoping now can we go free, now. And yet that was never the plan, as we know through history. It teaches us that living under a lie can be a real burden. And so the first takeaway that I have is this, living under a lie can set a whole season off course. And maybe that was true for you. Maybe you've worked for a company and the boss said, if you only do this, if you only stay this long, then you'll get the promotion, then you'll get the spot, and it never came. Maybe you were in a relationship and you knew there was something going on. You knew that there was something beyond what the surface had, and it was years later you found out what it was. But living under that lie threw a whole season off course. Maybe in small ways, you knew something was up about the day, something was up about the scenario, and you didn't know exactly what it was, but it threw everything off. Do you know this can happen spiritually as well? That's why I love coming together in these moments, because as our first lesson said, we live under the cunning and craftiness of men who are telling lies all the time. If you get your theology again from other sources, not the Bible, beware of being thrown off and under a lie. And then you consider our biggest spiritual adversary, the devil, what is he called? He's called the father of, yeah, lies. In fact, it, it, it kind of reminds me that the same lie from the Germans that Arbeit and Michael is kind of the same lie of the devil. Uh, his classic lie is that you can be good enough and so how, so how uh, win your salvation. But that's why I love God's truth. You know, one of my uh, confirmation passages led me to understand what God's truth does. In fact, as we bring it up here, John eight thirty one and 32, it says, If you hold to my teachings, you're really my disciples, then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And that's why we come to worship. Because you might have been living the whole week thinking, Well, I better be good, I better be good, and I get to tell you, Do you know you're free in Christ Jesus? Because he did everything you couldn't do. We're free. And that's the story of Christmas. We have a God who came to set us free, who did not give up on mankind, but entered into this broken world to redeem us and reverse the curse. The cross that speaks about our forgiveness, his resurrection that speaks about our victory. You are free in Christ. And so we get to dive into God's Word and see how it makes people free, how it leads to joy. And so today in the Christmas story, we're going to hear of Mary coming to her cousin Elizabeth and announcing that she's going to bear the Messiah. And we're going to turn to Luke chapter 1 and then hear the reaction of the Messiah being born. Uh, Feel free to follow along here or in your worship folder, in a Bible, whatever you like. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to the town in the hill country of Judea. Where she entered Zechariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she explained, "'Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she was believed.' that the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. When she hears the truth, there's joy. Thank you, David. And uh, as we get going, if you could just turn to your neighbor and tell them, fight for the truth. Fight for the truth. Awesome. Awesome. Isn't it great to be a kid at Christmas? In fact, I feel like sometimes it's never the same because you always have Christmas in the mind of being a kid. In fact, maybe you remember what it was like to open your favorite present. Remember that moment, whatever it was? For me, the classic Nintendo. Mario Brothers, Duck Hunt. Or maybe this, does anyone remember being in a Christmas program? Raise your hands if you're ever in a Christmas program. Yeah. In fact, you should come on Christmas Eve. We're going to have 37 kids up here um, all dressed up and singing a song Um, telling us the Christmas story. And whenever I see the kids, I always have this understanding about my position. I get a little envious. Because when I hear them singing, I always know they're preaching a better sermon than I ever could. There's something about that pure joy uh, to believe Jesus and tell the message. They are such great messengers of the Christmas story. As I was considering this, do you know That God uses kids to display his glory. That's how important they are to him. In fact, if you go to Psalm chapter 8, it tells us all about him revealing his glory uh, through the heavens, through the stars. But then look at verse 2 where he goes on. Psalm 8 verse 2 says, You have set your glory in the heavens, and through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. Isn't that great? that God uses kids to proclaim his glory. I think we just saw that. It's so interesting because Christmas is all about magnificent babies who we rejoice about. Christmas is truly for the kids. In fact, the most incredible part about the story that we just read was an unborn baby. Do you know the first person ever to worship Jesus Christ as Savior and his coming into the world at Christmas was an unborn baby. John the Baptist as a fetus is the one who showed us what worship should look like at Christmas. And so as we turn to verses 40 and 44 um, of our chapter, look what happened. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leapt in her womb. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby leapt for joy. I think that's marvelous. The very first worshiper was not even out of the womb at Christmas. Now, as a tangent teaching, in our culture, we struggle with a lie. And one of the lies we wrestle with and have wrestled with is when does life begin? Does life begin at conception or at birth? Thank you, David. Can we give him a round of applause? (laughs) Let's see if it works. Hey, it does. All right. And all of these lies that our society is still wrestled with could be solved if you just read the truth of God's word at Christmas. If you can sink down in your soul that a baby unborn is the first worshiper, I think it'll give you a lens at when life starts. And so what we learn as we have babies emphasized and worshipped is this simple truth. That the truth of Christmas is for all people. Which is, by the way, uh, why we have a kids' ministry. Because we know the truths of God's word need to be applied on their level so that they can hear and they can understand and they can rejoice. It's why it doesn't matter what gender or race, it doesn't matter what age you are, every soul is equally important in the eyes of God. And the sunborn baby proves it to us because he worships in an incredible way. And what I love about John the Baptist, still unborn, is he teaches us what Christmas is all about, that the truth of Christmas is about joy, that if there's something inside of you that wants to leap, if there's something inside of you that wants to dance and just have pure, outrageous, unadulterated joy, that is what Christmas is all about. Because Jesus the Savior is born. And while I recognize where John the Baptist is leading us, think of all the ways we mess this up. Think of all the things that get in the way of experiencing this crazy joy at Christmas. We literally get wrapped up in all the wrong things. We literally get wrapped up in all the gifts that we need to buy and then wrap. We literally are wrapped up in all the programs and the presentations and the family gatherings. And so sometimes I can't worship God because I'm baking cookies. What? I can't worship God because the house can't be dusty. What? We get wrapped up in all these things. And I hear you. I'm as busy But the baby teaches us. This baby still in the mother's womb says, if you want to have pure, unadulterated joy, you better see Jesus. You better hear the news that he came for you. That's the only way to get it. It's not going to happen through a present. It's not going to happen through a program. It's not going to happen through a presentation. But it will happen if you see Jesus this Christmas. But how can we truly understand that in a culture that doesn't? How can we truly say that the purest joy will come through Jesus? And here I want to talk a little bit about what I'd like from God. Now, I don't know how many of you have ever had this moment um, with their kids or with Santa Claus. Um, Maybe you've gone to Santa and you've said, this is what I want. By the way, has Santa come through before for you? Just curious. I bring this up, though, because I don't know how many of you would ever want this moment with God. Where you could go to God and be like, God, I want... Mm." What would you ask him for? The God of the universe. Any of you a car? I thought someone said a car last night. They didn't. They said the forgiveness of sins, which was way better, by the way. He's here. (laughs) Way better answer. Any of you, would it be a romantic love interest? Man, if I could just have, for you maybe a, a mortgage paid off or out of debt. I've thought about this situation many times as if God were Santa. And I always come to the same thing. You know what I'd want? And I'm not better than anyone. But I I really think this would be helpful. Are you ready? The Spirit. The Holy Spirit. Because here's what I recognize about the Holy Spirit. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that I have eyes to see how beautiful Jesus really is. If he were not working in my heart, I'd probably just think, eh, so what? The Holy Spirit, why? Because it's the Holy Spirit that empowers me to do anything good. Anything good in my life, I'm not powerful enough to do anything good by my own. I need the Spirit. The Holy Spirit that gives me a heart to hold Jesus as my Savior. Hands and feet that want to live out His directives and eyes to see His beauty. The Holy Spirit. Because consider how the Spirit is working in Elizabeth. Our passage told us this that Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And and I want to point out a couple things that happened because she's filled with the Spirit. To set up the first thing that happens, um, would you agree that certain things get harder the older you get? Certain things get harder the older you get? Uh, I remember being a teenager, and um, I never worried about, like, if I would, uh, you know, stay asleep. I worried about getting enough sleep. I don't know if you've been there. But staying asleep, not a problem. Yep, I could do that till noon. Anyone with me that the older you get, the harder sleep becomes? Anyone there? Who's with, I just, I'm just curious. I need some empathy today. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've been waking up lately, 2 a.m., 3 a.m., and it's the kind of wake up where you know I'm not going to bed right away. I don't know why. I don't know. I could toss and turn here for about a half an hour, or I could watch a TV show, but I'm not going to bed. You been there? What's up with that? right? Certain things are harder the older that you get. Well, I turned to Elizabeth, and do you know how old she is when she has John the Baptist? Any guesses? Now, it's not revealed in Scripture, but church history tells us that as Mary was 16, which is crazy in its own right, Elizabeth is maybe 88 years old. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine hips that have to bear a baby as you're walking around at 88 years old? That's incredible. And yet she's filled with the Spirit, and guess what the Spirit does? The Spirit reveals to Elizabeth that it's not a burden, but a blessing. Elizabeth knows in her heart of hearts that she has an honor, not an obligation. In fact, her husband, Zachariah would sing one of those Christmas songs out of rejoicing over having John the Baptist, the forerunner of the Messiah. And this is what the Spirit does. The Spirit reveals the truth that it is a blessing and an honor to serve God. It's not a have-to-do. It's a get-to-do. And this is what we see in Mary's story. Consider Mary the 16-year-old. Who has a scandal because she's pregnant and not married, who has to ride a donkey many miles from Nazareth to Bethlehem, who has to escape for her life when the child is born to Egypt because people want to kill him. And she could have belly ached and bemoaned all of that. She could have said, well, why me? And do I have to? This, I didn't ask for this, but she too filled with the spirit saying in a beautiful song we call the Magnificat, these words, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. First was Elizabeth, and then was Mary. They both recognize to be the mother of the Holy God, that's not a burden. That's a high honor. Now, How does that work in our own lives? You know what's interesting about being a pastor at Christmas? It's busy and stressful. (laughs) You know what's also interesting? Out of all the pastors I talk to and what's deep in my soul, no matter how busy, no matter how stressful, it's the highest honor I could do. Because I get to stand in front of you knowing who I am and knowing who God is, and be like an angel coming down from heaven and say, a Savior is born for you. When I talk to my buddies who are pastors at this time of year, they might be busy, they might be stressed, but they absolutely love telling people like I do that a Savior is born, and we consider it a blessing. You know, what Amazing Love, we have this core value that all should be involved, that God has given you talents and abilities, and everyone should come together and, and pool their resources, their talents, their time in order to help the church, in order to glorify God. And this past week, I saw it on display in a beautiful way. On Thursday, there was mornings with mommy going on and some kids' activities. There was uh, tech going on and there was the sign being worked on. And everyone coming together because this recognition that it's good to glorify God. It's good to spend our time in order to prop up the name of Jesus. And the Spirit reveals that, doesn't it? The Spirit reveals it's not a have-to-do, it's a get-to-do. In fact, I think if we see things rightly, I think we're going to regret many things that we did on earth and many times we spent our time differently, but I, I really don't think we're going to regret getting to know God or serving God. In fact, I think that we get to heaven to the greater degree we sacrifice for the sake of God, the greater degree that are going to be honored by our God. Do you see it? I think the Spirit reveals this. But there's more that we can learn from Elizabeth as the Spirit's working in her to know it's a blessing and an honor. And to talk about this, um, I want to know, have you heard of the Christmas pickle? I got to tell you, this is the first time I heard about the Christmas pickle. Uh, It was on the Today Show. And um, and, and I guess that um, for some households, uh, you hide a pickle, and if someone finds the pickle... You get either an extra present or open the first present. Have you uh, ringing a bell? In fact, I was doing uh, some research, and there is a a town close to St. Joseph, Michigan, called Berrien Springs, and they are known as the Christmas Pickle Capital. They have a Christmas pickle parade. It's incredible. Um, And and you think of what it is, maybe to be a kid and and find the pickle, right? And and to be able to open that that gift, ah, I'm picked to be the, the special one on Christmas. That'd be awesome, right? Well, you might have not found the pickle, but have you ever been picked to do something important? Uh, maybe for you it was this new job. Maybe for you it was going out with this person. Uh, you know what it is uh, to have this sense of like, wow, I won. This is amazing. That's where Elizabeth is. The very first Christmas. That's not because she found a pickle. Elizabeth is saying this because she gets to hear before so many others how salvation history has unfolded. She thinks it's, it's, it's like a, a winning thing to have heard the message that Mary is bringing. And so she says, why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me and give me this good news? Out of all the people in the world, why should I be able to hear of the Messiah first? She recognizes She won. When's the last time you recognized that? Break it down. Out of all the people who've ever lived, out of all the people who live right now, out of all the people who will ever live, why in the world do you have the right to know Jesus as Savior? And yet you do. Did you pick your family? Did you pick your country? Did you pick this opportunity? No. But God found you, didn't he? And if the Holy Spirit's working in your heart aright, you know the simple truth. You are favored. So no, Jesus is Savior, and nothing comes close. In fact, I love what um, Peter in the New Testament says. Peter records everything about Jesus, and and he was just able to see how all the prophecies culminated in the life of Jesus, his birth, his death, his resurrection. Finally, the Spirit gave him eyes to see that, because that's what the Spirit does. And, And Peter, in his letter, he recorded this. He said, when they spoke the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel by the Holy Spirit, angels long to look into these things. You, as a New Testament Christian, who knows what Jesus' birth means, that he did not give up on us, but he came for us, who know what Jesus' cross means, that our punishment is paid, who know what his resurrection means, that we have victory, angels covet that information. And you have it. And you have the Word of God that you can access whenever you want to. And you have worship opportunities that will never be ending. And this is one of the greatest things you could have, to know what Jesus means in the Christmas story. So if you're taking notes, our next takeaway is this. The Holy Spirit reveals the truth that we are highly favored to know the Christmas story. But before we go today, here's the challenge. People are going to try to steal this truth. There are things and messages and obligations that are going to get in the way of trying to hold on to this truth. And to talk about this a little bit, I want to bring up what I think is maybe the cheesiest Christmas movie. And it's not a Hallmark movie. Um, It's a movie that... Uh, includes the governor, the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger. Has anyone seen a jingle all the way? Yeah. Um, I think it's ridiculous. Um, You have uh, an Austrian-born muscle man who can't get a toy. That's not real, right? (laughs) The Terminator could get a toy if he wanted to. This is made up, right? But the reason I bring up this silly story is because it proves a very significant point, and that is this. You fight for something that's worth it, right? You put in the time, the sweat equity, you fight for things that are valuable. And if we move on beyond Turbo Man, um, we know that you fight for a family, don't you? To make sure your kids are happy at Christmas, you fight for that. If you love your job, you fight to stay in it, don't you? If you love that person, you fight to make them sure they know they're loved. When you find something of complete value, you know what it is to stick in it through thick and thin, and make sure you don't miss it. It doesn't let go. If the Spirit has just worked in your heart, you've just seen that the most valuable thing you could ever have is the knowledge of Jesus as Savior. Here's my challenge to you. Fight to keep it. Because as long as you live, there will be people and there will be messages. And there will be other opportunities that get in the way and want to steal it. And our first lesson reminded us of this. There will always be people who have different messages, want to throw the baby out with the bathwater. How can you believe the Bible? Don't you know it's all made up? Uh, it's not trustworthy, and there goes Jesus. Hey, uh, as a young person, you shouldn't live your life that way. Don't you know? That doesn't work anymore. You should try it this way. And there it goes. In every age, we need to keep fighting for the truth. And actually, I think Christmas is a great testing ground. Because here's what I know about your Christmas. It's like mine. There are things that could get in the way of me seeing Jesus. A ton of them. The misprioritization that could happen during this season is outstanding. (laughs) And so this is a great testing ground to see, can we fight to hold on to the truth of the Christmas story? Because the reality is, if you hear the story of Jesus, And consider the baby in the manger. You have the right to react like John the Baptist. And to have pure, unadulterated, incredible joy. As you hear his voice, the spirit can work on your heart. To continue to empower you. And to give you the gifts that no one else can give. The gift of peace and hope and a future and love. May we as Christians fight to hold on to this truth. Knowing that this is the only thing that matters and nothing even comes close. Let me pray for you. Heavenly Father, out of all the people who've ever lived, we get to hear of Jesus the Savior. Thank you. And now this message that we've heard, we want to hold on to, but we can't do it on our own. We can't do it with the weakness of our flesh. We need your spirit. Lord, I pray that the Spirit would work on every person in this place, that they would hold on to the hope of a Messiah both now and for all eternity, that you would not lose a single soul, but that we'd all rejoice eternally over the Savior who's rescued us. So work on us. Be with us this Christmas. In Jesus' name, amen.